0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring on the Podcast. As always, I'm host Luke Thompson. Derek Smith is joining us today. Derek, how are you doing?
2: Pretty good, Luke. How are you?
0: Doing well. Actually, Derek, I don't know. Should I call you Derek Mollersmith now that you're married and all? Or? Yeah, yeah.
2: That's my new name. So. Okay.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> congratulations on that.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
0: And we're really excited. Our guest today is a former Kansas State All-American safety, Jamie Mendez. Jamie, how are you?
1: I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. Excited to be here. For sure. And so you told us you watched the game yesterday. You know, Mm -hmm. just general thoughts on on this team and, and what a big win that was for Kansas State.
1: You know, I mentioned this to a number of my former teammates and friends after the first two weeks. I just thought that regardless of what happened yesterday, I liked the way they looked. I thought they looked clean. What I mean by clean is there were not a lot of mental errors. I didn't not a lot of turnovers, not a lot of um Penalties, you know, and I just thought they looked professional. They looked disciplined, and I like that going forward, no matter what happened yesterday. But I thought going into the game, and it's easy to say now, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. But I thought they were going to win. I really thought that that game, as long as the game traveled with them to Mississippi, as like, yeah, they'll be able to win that game because they just the, the way they're playing allows them to do that. So mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised that they won, you know. But it was definitely a big win. It gets the climbing air off to a great start and. I'm sure they're gonna start getting some national notoriety now,
0: yeah, yeah, I mean you mentioned mm-hmm. the mental errors. It was a little disappointing to see maybe some more of those yesterday yeah. uh, power turns, but at the same time, it was really encouraging to see them how they responded to that adversity, even falling behind in the second half. You know what does that tell you about this team
1: well i, I think it speaks to you know some of the cliche things you hear a lot, but it's just they tend to not flinch. it looks like there's some mental toughness there, which um you love to see. And I was actually kind of happy that they made some mistakes yesterday because I wanted to see how they handle the pressure, especially on the road. And, you know, they obviously passed with flying colors at the end.
2: Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me yesterday, Jamie, was the chippiness of the game and how the players seemed to respond to how chippy Mississippi State was being. And, you know, the pushing and shoving after the play and a little bit of job mm-hmm. back and forth. And you didn't see a lot of that the last two years of Snyder. You know, it it almost seemed like maybe they were shying away from that. So how, like, what what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, I don't know Coach Climan, so I've never met the man, so I can't speak to the way he does things. I just think that, you know, the old guy had a way of just telling us that, you know, we are always above that. I don't think it had anything to do with the guys in the previous team shying away from it. You know, I just think that it was his coach is always about, respect and we handle things we're always going to be above board and that's not always easy to do because a lot of times especially because I was watching that game and you know when I watched it, all the pushing and shoving and talking I was always one of the guys who used to get in trouble you know because I was <laughs> one of the guys who wouldn't keep my mouth shut and all that other stuff so I get it I understand how they want to be but I also understand w- why coach Snyder did things the way he did but um, I have no problem with our players responding you know, I, I like that. I've always been of that mindset. If a bully's trying to punch you in the face, you got to punch him right back. So I don't have any problems with them doing it.
2: I asked you that question because I got the feeling, of course, I was four years old when you played, you know, at K-State. <laughs> but uh, well, but I get the feeling watching back on on those old tapes, you know, of the, the no. stuff before Snyder and then when you, your guys came in and when Snyder came in mm. and everything changed, that attitude yeah. was sort of what brought along part of that change. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know we, we, you know you had a lot of back then. We were a lot of misfits. You know guys that might have been able to play somewhere else, or they were a little too small. Just you know, so all the guys that came into the program at that point in time were trying to prove something. I think that's the case everywhere. But you know, coming into a situation that we came into the worst program in college football at the time, worst facilities, worst everything. When you came there, you were either coming there because you had no other choice, or because you know, you felt slighted somewhere. So yeah, I mean, we, we used to have fights all the time. Coach will never talk about that, but there were, there were fist fights going on left and right, you know, at practice and on a daily basis. Those are things that aren't talked about, but that's what built the program back in the day, mm-hmm. the policing, the way the, poli- the players policed themselves and disciplined each other and so on and so forth. I mean, things you probably couldn't do today because of the access that everybody has on social media and so on and so forth. But yeah, you know, he'd probably kill me to be sharing some of that stuff today. But, yeah, it was it was really chippy. It's just you guys never saw it. You know, he kept all that stuff real close to the vest.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that strikes me about Kleiman versus Snyder, and this is nothing against, you know, I have all the respect in the world for Coach Snyder, but it seemed as though, especially last year, the players just weren't having a lot of fun. And now, you know, you see with the social media and – and there's a lot more, you know. It just seems like the, there's a new spirit in the in the locker room and on the sidelines yeah. during the games. Yeah. Can you? I, I know you weren't there before Snyder, but can you kind of talk about what it was like in those first couple of years and how how it slowly got more? I would assume slowly got more fun as 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 your time there went on.
1: Well, I think that, you know, yeah, I can't speak to, you know, before because I was in his first class. But, you know, the first couple of years he was just weeding people out. So it was it was really hard, you know, especially for all those guys who had been there. For us, it was all we knew because we just came in from the beginning. But, yeah, it was a lot of hard work. He, there wasn't a lot of joking going on. We were trying to build a program and get our footing in the Big 8 conference and, then, and all that type of stuff and just gain some respect. So the first couple of years were – just grinders and then you know 91 we broke through i think we had seven wins eight wins whatever it was you know and that was that was a fantastic season for us and now that's when things started to get fun a little bit you know but then with a a young team the way we, we were still a young team at that time that didn't really understand how to deal with the success we immediately fall back in 92 you know and we learned a valuable lesson there and i think that lesson needed to be learned for the program to then catapult itself from '93 all the way to 2003, you know those 10 years of dominance. After that point in time, but um, yeah, that's when it got fun. I mean, my my sophomore year, I had a ton of fun. My senior year I had a ton of fun. You know, those were those were two <laughs> fantastic seasons. Those other two odd seasons, not as much. You know, but it were but they were great learning experiences for us.
0: And yeah, yeah for people who don't know, so you, you redshirted Snyder's first year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, got- I mean,
1: most of us did.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then you know, by your junior year, you were a first-team All Big Eight player. I mean, did, when did you start like getting regular playing time? Was that as a freshman or, or sophomore? Yeah,
1: no, I played as a as a redshirt freshman. I yeah. I played every position in the secondary because we we had um. It's funny that we had we didn't have a lot of depth. So at the yeah, there's old quotes from Bob Stoops because Bob Stoops was my position coach and defense coordinator. He used to tell people because Mendez yeah. is my two is my entire two deep. Any position that needs to get filled, he fills it. So I actually would play more snaps than anybody in the secondary Mm -hmm. because I was the starting nickelback and backup, strong safety, free safety, field corner, and weak side corner. Wow. So every two series, I would switch. I would just keep switching positions. So if you watch old, old film from 1990, you never know where I'm at. I'm in a different place in every series. (laughs) It was a crazy year.
2: That must have been crazy hard, right? I mean, to change oh, positions yeah.
1: like that. It was super hard, but um, you know, it that was probably and you know I was 19 years old, so I was I was a young man at the time. But Bob put a ton of pressure on me to do it and excel at it because he thought I could. He saw something in me. And learning that all those positions that year, that's why the next year, my sophomore year, from that point on, I called all the defenses because I knew where everybody was supposed to go. I knew where everybody was supposed to be. So okay. That one year was super hard, and I was in his office all day, all night, constantly studying, you know, trying to figure out the responsibilities for five different positions,
2: mm-hmm. you know, because
1: it was, like I said, both corners, both safeties, and nickel. I had to know all five. So wow. it, was, it was a lot. You know, yeah. but, but then from that point on, it was super simple for me. My last three years, anybody could say anything, oh, yeah, you're supposed to be right here. And if that happens, you go over there, you know, so it worked out for me.
2: And you say it was super hard, but, like, if I'm not mistaken, you had six interceptions your freshman year, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And that was your career high, and you tied it in your junior year?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so
2: that's two years, That's right. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> but it's easy to get yeah, six interceptions when you're all over the field, right? Yeah, you know, because they're going to throw it to you
1: eventually, cause, and then when <laughs> you're a freshman, they, they're trying to pick on you anyways, you know. So it was, all those things combined gave me a lot of opportunities.
2: That's funny.
0: Yeah, well, that's funny because I, I texted my dad this morning to let him know we were doing this podcast. And, and he says, I always liked him. Seems like he was everywhere when he played.
1: So, <laughs> Well, tell him I said, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, Bob used to do a great job of putting me in very advantageous positions. You know, he always made sure that he put me in a place where it was going to give me the opportunity to make a play.
2: And you went to the same high school that he went to, right?
1: Yeah, his dad was my high school coach. Yeah, I I knew Bob since I was like ten years old. I mean, he's the reason I went to Kansas State.
2: Yeah, I wondered about that. Yeah, and then of
0: course your senior year, you know, you were consensus All America, first team All America, and and you guys won the first bowl game, at Kansas State. that's so, nice way to go out on top, I guess. huh
1: Yeah, it was you know it was great. We actually thought we left you know a lot of money on the table that season. We made you know we kind of. Had a big hiccup at Iowa State. I think uh, Colorado, if my memory serves right, we missed an extra point, a couple field goals, some you know, some other nonsense. We could have easily been an 11-1 football team that season. But, you know, they're still learning at that point in time. So, I think at Iowa State, we were feeling ourselves coming off of beating Oklahoma, you know, and then in the Colorado game, we just still we weren't 100% sure of ourselves yet that we could pull these things off on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. So I think that's – so that's why we feel like, you know, we could have easily been 11-1 and um, been in a big-time bowl and so on and so forth. But it was what it was, and um, I think we're all happy that it turned out the way it
2: did. Yeah, yeah.
0: So to bring it back to to this year, you know, one of the big things that that people have talked about, it's kind of been a big focus talking to coaching staff, is going to a more aggressive style in the secondary, you know, kind of get away from the bend but don't break. Yeah. how tough is that adjustment to make as a defensive back?
1: I think it's great, easy for a DB because most defensive backs are gamblers and, you know, they're alphas and they're real sure of themselves. So you want to be in those one-on-one battles and attacking and all that. Stuff. Sitting back, it's super hard to play defensive back. I tell people that all the time and they think that I'm just, you know, being a homer because I was a DB. I said, you try running backwards while that dude is running. He can run a 4-4 forward and he knows where he's going and you don't know where you're going. So you try that and see how that works out for you and then you come and tell me, you know, how how easy it is to play DB. And then after that, you know, if some big tight end catches a ball or some big running back catches a ball and there's a pulling lineman, you got to come up there and you're giving away 50, 60, 100 pounds to these people and you got to put your nose in there and get, you know, get dirty. So I think to play DB, you got to have a couple screws loose because, you know, you're always at a disadvantage. So we want, we want to be aggressive because we know we're at a disadvantage. So was like, at least let me dictate the pace that we're going to play at. That's why I think these guys are having some success because they remind me when I'm watching them a little bit. I mean, of course, we're in different eras, but we were always like that. We were, you know, back then, if you look back at, at a point in time there, you know, from the, the mid-90s or the early 90s all the way through the early 2000s, you know, Kansas State was dubbed DBU, cornerback U, because we would play super aggressive all the time. Like zone defense, like we don't play zone. You know, like we don't believe in that concept. We're coming at you, we're going to be man on oh man all day long, and we're going to bring it. And that's what I like to see with this group. They're dictating to the offense what's going to happen instead of, oh, just catch the ball in front of us and we'll all rally to the ball. I have no disrespect to any of the defensive coordinators we've had You know, in the past, in this last night or era, it's just the way I play defense and the way I like to see defense played was never that. So that was always somewhat frustrating for me. Yeah. And to see the change now, see the way they're playing under Scotty, is exciting because they are coming and they're bringing a lot of heat and they're, you know, they're they're mixing up their defenses and they're and if you notice, they're moving all over the place, which I I love because that completely messes a quarterback's head up. He never knows where you're at. And in the old system, we were always in that two shell. You know, everybody was off about eight yards just
2: sitting there. So you knew what we were doing. And now you have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Have you met or spoken to any of the coaches on the current staff? No. Only okay. coach
1: I know is Colin because, you know, he was there before. Yeah.
2: Okay.
1: I haven't met with any of them. I, and I haven't gotten back to a game yet this year.
2: I see. Okay. Because I know Coach Clement made the point that he was going to reach out to a lot of former players. I don't know if he made it your way no. yet.
1: No, no. Well, I, I, what I have heard from my teammates that have gone, they said that it was a warm welcome. And that's nice to see. Yeah. We, for those of us who were around during the, the Prince era, that was okay. So to see that he is opening up the doors and welcoming all the old players that, uh,
0: makes us all smile. I think he's been pretty busy. I got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> <So>.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, obviously you really like the style that Coach Hazleton brings to it. How difficult do you think that is to do versus when you play now with the different offenses that they run these days? I
1: definitely think it's more difficult because you're in, you're one on one a lot more. You know, it's just everybody's in space, and mm-hmm. that's why the offenses are played the way they are today. You know, like let's and they were created by teams that might not have the athleticism of some of the other teams where if I can get one-on-one, I got a chance, you know? So I think it's really tough because you got to be assignment sound, and then you know that when the ball comes your way, it's just yeah. you and that individual,
2: and if you miss, that's it. You know, going into yesterday, I sort of had the same feeling you did, that the, if they brought the attitude, they were going to win because, you know, they certainly seem to have the, the talent there and, and the right mentality. But it was also part of it was that Mississippi State is such a hard nosed run first, you know they're very similar in style to what K State tries to do. How do you think this defense is going to get? How do you think this defense can adjust to Big Twelve offenses?
1: I think so. They've prepared all spring. That was with the beginning. Their preparation is for that. No no disrespect against Mississippi State. We're not preparing to play them twelve times a year. You know they're preparing for these wide open air raid offenses all day long so yeah i think that what he is bringing in is getting them ready for that and i think that you know in two weeks when they play oklahoma state people are going to be surprised but i, I really think they're going to match up well i like the linebackers that he's you know i think they're all they seem to be athletic and they move around and they're pretty confident and the dbs as well i see a lot of numbers coming in and out there's another thing i like so when you're playing against these fast-paced offenses you got to have Fresh bodies in there because we're getting tired. And so I can't say that I dislike anything that he's doing right now, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then that's, I mean, you alluded to it. Let's be very clear Oklahoma State and Baylor are going to bring another level of passing offense. It'll be interesting to see. I, I would imagine KC is probably not going to try to guard Wallace from Oklahoma State, you know, man man. That that seems like that's a tough task. I think he's leading the NCAA and receiving right now. So, I'm sure the right. coaches will draw up something special to face
1: him. Yeah, I, I haven't seen Oklahoma State yet, so I, I don't know. I remember him from last year. And if I recall correctly, he plays on the outside. And, yeah. you know, the problem with that is if you if you try and run a safety over the top of that, it kind of takes the lid off the rest of your defense. So a lot of times, if what I'm seeing right now is going to be consistent with what I see later, I think you will see – them lining up one-on-one against that young man more than you probably want to. But that's just, you know, when you understand defensive concepts, you have to do that. And then in key situations, I would expect a safety to roll over the top. But, you know, in in normal running downs and so on and so forth, I I would think, yeah, he's going to be left one-on-one because otherwise you compromise your run defense. And we all know that Oklahoma State, they're looking to do that. They want you to pull those safeties out so they can run the ball all day. So it's going to be a chess game. You know, but what I've seen from him so far is he's pretty good at playing it.
0: Yeah, and, and I think it, it helps. You know, people are, are talking for the first time in a while about the, the speed that K-State has at linebacker. And yeah. you know, how much does that changed the, the game for the secondary?
1: It helps tremendously. When you know that your second level, you're not, they're not compromised and you're not having to make up for their mistakes, it just makes your job so much easier as a defensive back. You know, like number 21, I think his last name is Green. I, I love that young man, and I never, I, I didn't know who he was before, before the beginning of the season. But he seems to be playing really well, and I believe he's one of the reserves. And then Sullivan and um, Patton, they're playing solid. And our top linebacker ain't even there. You know, Johnson's out for the season. Imagine if we had that young man in, in the fold. So I like what I see.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah the other thing you want to do games Game is Oklahoma State's going to play Texas next week. Case they go just yep. have weeks to prepare. How much of a difference you think that
1: makes? I think it's huge. When you have two weeks to prepare for a team, and the team that you're preparing for is going to have a knockout, drag out type of game the week before, that's a huge, huge advantage to you. Now, the only the only piece that's disadvantages is on the road, but we, they've just, they've already shown that that's, that shouldn't be much of a factor. So I think it's, yeah, I, I think that gives us a huge advantage, and we don't even know what's going to happen yet in that in that game. Regardless of whether Oklahoma State wins or loses, you know there's going to be there's going to be some injuries, so they're going to get beat up a little bit here and there. You hope that nobody gets hurt where they're not playing the next week, but that's just one more week of toll on somebody's body that you don't have on yours.
2: Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Cam, I mean, it's kind of off topic, but this offense—they didn't do it yesterday, obviously, but uh, in the Bowling Green and the nickel State game, the way that they held the ball—you know, forty yeah. some minutes both games. I can imagine the defense likes that because they get to rest, but is there any sort of, as a defensive player, an antsiness that you get for not being on the field?
1: Well, you know, I never had that problem. <laughs> <So> I, <laughs> I, I can't really relate to it. When I was playing, we were on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, I would think that, you know, these young men is good and bad for them. It's great because, oh, our offense is moving the ball. We're, you know, we're not in a position to give up points. But yeah, you want to be out there and playing. You know, you want to get your TV time. You want to get your stats up and uh, make your impact plays. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure those those guys are probably joking in the office. Everyone's like, "Hey, you guys want to hurry up, make pick the pace up a little bit here, so we can get back on the field." You know, and then they get a little more consistency as well. Because What we I mean, I don't know the statistics on this. You guys might know better than I do. But uh, the defense hadn't played 40 minutes in both <laughs> games combined, right? It hadn't been yeah. on the field for that long, and so that's not. Yeah, that's not a lot of time Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about the offense a little bit. You know, going into the Big 12, you know, probably are going to face some teams that score more. You know, do you guys feel like this offense is is ready to play in some shootouts if they need to?
1: I think so. I think that this offense, well, let me just take a step back. I don't think we've seen the full offense yet. You know, I, I think for this weekend, we saw the five wides for the first time. You know, we hadn't seen that in the first two games. So we finally saw, you know, what that offense, the empty set looks like. And I think they're going to come in with a lot more variations of that in the future when need be. But this team's DNA is not that unsimilar to, you know, what Coach Schneider did. They're a run-first team. They're just doing it from different sets, a lot more pro-style offense and moving people around and making the defenses adjust, which I think is fantastic. You know, and um, what I noticed is they run the same play. They can run the same play three different times, but it's from four, you know, it's from three different formations. Mm-hmm. And, and I really like that thing there. But I don't know, I mean, getting back to your question, so to speak, I'm not sure that they're unprepared for that. I think that the style of offense they play will always allow them to be in the game unless they turn the ball over a lot, which, you know, we, we know we had that problem a little bit on Saturday. But I think if they run the ball the way they run it and they've been able to throw it with the play action and then when we see the, the couple new wrinkles that we're going to see in the empty sets and the five wide, so on and so forth, yeah, I'm completely confident. And is a, a really good quarterback. You know, we got young receivers for the most part, but he seems to be throwing the ball all over the place. So I think they'll be just fine.
2: Yeah. Speaking as a defensive back, you sort of have to – be able to analyze a quarterback and get a sense of their attitude. What do you see differently from Skyler this year as opposed to last year?
1: I think it's the same thing everybody sees. You know, they were talking about on every game I've watched is he's not looking over his shoulder, you know, and that that was one of the, you know, I, I don't like to critique the big guy very often. I just thought that, you know, the problem that him and Delton both had last year is they both felt as though as soon as I mess up I'm out of the game. And when you're playing like that, you're going to make even more mistakes. So I just think his confidence is just through the roof right now. You can see it. And he seems to have a really good grasp of this offense as well, which is really, really impressive because, you know, they've only been together. Climb's only been there nine months, and they've probably only been practicing for four or five months. So he seems to be getting in and out of the plays, the right plays, the right checks. It's just uh, he looks like a completely different kid.
2: Did you have any expectations when they hired Chris Kleiman? Like, what was your thought, and, and how does that compare to how you feel now?
1: Well, you know, there's no secret that we were rooting for somebody else. You know, a lot of the former players, we had a grassroots campaign that we were trying to get, you know, Wolford or or Venables some of those guys on. But, uh, you know, Gene went with Chris, and as soon as he did that, you know, we – not, I can't speak for everybody, but I would say 95% of us said, okay, well, this is our guy now. We're going to move forward, and we're going to back him up, and we're going to do everything we can to support him as alumni. And when I looked at what he's done, and when I talked to some of my friends that coached against him at that level, everybody spoke highly of him. So I thought to myself, the guy, is he's a winner. I like the system that he's playing. He wants to run the ball. He wants to play good defense. I go. I'd never have a problem with those type of things. I said. I think he's going to find some success. I kind of was comparing him to Jim Tressel when he went from Youngstown State to Ohio State. I said. I, I see similarities there. I said. Same type of coaching style came from the same conference coming into a power five. I said. I think this guy. We just give him a little time. Like I think he's going to find success, and I'm not surprised.
2: Yeah, and obviously you have a little bit of kinship with him because if I'm not mistaken, he played defensive back at you and I. I think right.
1: Yeah, yeah, he played defensive back, that's right, a little before me. I think he played on the UNI team that came down and beat us, too, if I remember right.
2: Yeah, he he joked about that when he got hired. He played on the team that beat Snyder that first year, so I think you were registered.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, and his idea of we're going to be really good defensively, that always excites me, you know, because I think when you are in the Big 12 conference, which is – air raid everywhere, and everybody's like, well, we'll think about playing defenses. If you can have a a guy who's going to focus on that, really, really focus on it and make it a staple of your team, I think it gives us a a much better chance to win. See, I like him. And again, I haven't met the guy. I'm looking forward to it when the opportunity presents itself. But everything that I've heard so far is positive.
0: And so you, you alluded to it. You said, you know, he's just a winner. I'm wondering, just, you know, for you being part of a program that went from a lot of losing to a lot of winning during your time there, you know, mm-hmm. how much does that, just that mentality of being a winner make a difference?
1: I think it's huge. It is paramount because Kansas State you know, is, I mean, you could say this about every program. It, it's the, its its own animal. But, uh, you know, we we know what happened the first time coach left you know and how quickly we sunk back down into mediocrity or even or even below that so we don't we didn't have a lot of history of winning so you got to bring somebody in that can understand what our history is there understands how fragile the foundation is and that it can't be taken for granted or taken advantage of and we've got to think outside the box in recruiting when it comes to fundraising all the things that we do because of the location of where the school is. So when you bring a person in, they have to understand all those different things that are going on and know that, okay, this place is unique. We're going to have some challenges as it pertains to recruiting and so on and so forth. So we got to go and find kids, not like coach, so to speak, what coach did, but we just got to do a lot of due diligence as it pertains to that and make sure we get the right people in the program so that we are winning. And those kids got to be character kids and you can't miss when you're at a school like us, you don't have the advantage of Alabama, Ohio state of Texas or whatever, where you're getting 10, five stars and 10, four stars and this or that, you know, you might get one or two if you're lucky. So you can't miss on those. And you definitely can't miss on all your foundational three-star people. they got to hit. And you got to hit hard with them. And those guys that you're bringing in have all got to be glue people and winners from the programs that they came from. I don't know if that answered that question correctly or not, but, you know.
2: Yeah. yeah. One of the things that strikes me about Climent so far, at least, and we'll see how this goes on for the rest of the season, but it's his ability to manage depth and really work with what he's been given. Mm -hmm. And you were obviously a part of that with the early years of Steiner. Can you kind of just speak to – how difficult that was. I mean, you already talked a little bit about playing every position in defensive backfield, but how hard is that for a coach to be able to manage, you know, only a certain number of players when you know you're playing teams that have depth like crazy?
1: It's difficult. You're definitely playing at a somewhat of a disadvantage. And I think that Coach Kleinman is in a better position obviously than Coach Schneider was at the beginning of his tenure, hence why somebody like me had to play five positions. That's not the case today. You know, you got a lot more guys. I think that what he's done is he's put people in positions as it pertains to his coaching staff and allowed them and trusted them to make sure that they have the depth in place and the players in place and that they're knowledgeable and they understand the positions. And then he just comes to them and say, okay, who do we got? What You know, which guys are we relying on? And he's trusting them and coaching his coaches up to do that correctly. It's kind of what Coach Snyder did as well, you know, because one man can't do that. You're trying to figure out how you're going to play 100, not 120 players, but you're managing 120 guys, and, you know, you are going want to play 70, 80 guys. No one person could do that on their own. They have to entrust in other people to do that for them. Say, okay, I, I trust you, that you've prepared these players correctly, and you're going to put the guys out there that are going to help us win. So I think that's probably the the way he's gone about it.
0: We talked about we all love seeing all the videos and stuff, and you know the reports from practice stuff that we never got from Fort Snyder, as they call it. Yeah. As a former player, what do you think of all that stuff?
1: It's neat to see. I think it's you know it, it fires people up. I, I know that video. I know he has that one that the one gentleman. I apologize that I don't remember his name. That has the motivational figure that he's been bringing in. You know that first video they put out. Man, I I, I was joking with some of my boys, like, man, where's my helmet? You know, it was really cool to see and to have some access to it. I understand why Coach Snyder did it the way he did, especially in the beginning, you know, because we were trying to do something that had never been done. So I get why he kept everything so close to the vest at that point in time. But in today's day and age, you know, you you, got to show access. And the young people that you're recruiting, you get those higher level people because they want, their you know their ig and all that other stuff to be able to post whatever they want however they want and i think that climate has embraced that he understands that that's the culture we live in today and he's given the people what they want and i think it's it's great and it's refreshing it's
2: nice to see when you go back to manhattan i i think you were at a game last year right Yeah, yeah, I get back every year. Mm -hmm. So when you go back now and you see the stadium with with Bill Snyder's name on it and all the improvements Mm -hmm. they've made, the facilities and things like that, Mm -hmm. how surreal is that for you, knowing what it was when you got there?
1: Oh, man, it it is – it's fantastic. Every time I go back, I smile. You know, I take my son back, and he's seven now, and he loves the place. And then I show him pictures, you know, like, V, this is what it looked like when daddy – came on his recruiting trip and some other things and he's like, he doesn't, you know, he goes, this is the same place. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's an immense amount of pride because if coach didn't do what he did, if the players that he recruited in the beginning didn't take the chances on him that they did, none of that would be there. And we can honestly say that that foundational group that came in, in 1989 and 1990, you know, if it wasn't for that coaching staff and those players, Kansas State might be playing in the MVC, you know, might be one AA school, might be a Division II school, because they were that close to dropping football. And now you see this palace, because it is fantastic, you know, that facility. I live out here in LA, you know, and I got to listen to the USC and UCLA and all that type of stuff, all the Pac 12 schools and their facilities. But I've been to facilities all over the country. I'm from Ohio. I've been to Ohio State's facilities. You know, I've seen we can stand next to anybody from a facility standpoint today. And if you would have asked me that, even in 1993, when I graduated, I would have been like, you're crazy. There's mm-hmm. no way that we're going to be able to be on that level from a facility standpoint. So when you see what we have today and you see what's coming in two years, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And I'm, I'm so happy. Every time I go in, I just smile like this place is beautiful, you know, and I'm glad that I had a part to play in this. So.
0: And so I know it's early, but you've seen any potential from your son yet? What do you,
1: think? you know, I don't know. He he doesn't he doesn't seem to gravitate towards football a whole lot right now. He mm-hmm. loves the Wildcats. He's yeah. wear he wears purple all the time, you know, and That's and good. so on and so forth. And everybody around here looks at him like he's crazy because you know everybody's in blue and yellow or red and gold, whatever you want to call that oh, stuff yeah. that they wear out here. And he runs around in school in purple and silver all the time. But as far as football, I don't know. You know, he he he's thinking about playing flag. He's definitely athletic. He can run fast. He jumps pretty high, you know, but he, he hasn't really said anything about wanting to play yet. And I'm not the type of parent that pushes him into that. I just want him to be active, you know, so he does a lot, Like right now he's playing soccer and he does uh, martial
2: arts. Yeah.
1: Well, that's good to hear that
2: he's a Wildcat fan because another former player we yeah. had on the podcast recently is Dick Leckie, who was an offensive lineman in the early 2000s. And he's unfortunately yep. raising a Longhorn fan, it sounds like. So
1: it's good oh, to know you've man. got him on the right side oh yeah no he if he tried to wear any of that stuff he i i, I might disown him even at seven you know you <laughs> can't, can't be in my house with that junk on so no he knows and he is uh no he is a wildcat fan every time we go there i mean he is purple from head to toe and he loves everything about it he's got the hand signals all of it he knows what he's supposed to do
2: that's great good to hear
1: oh
0: yeah, no, yeah. So, right now, what do you see at the ceiling for this team and, and how many wins they can get?
1: Um, you know, I I think that they are somewhere between 8-4 and four and 10-2, and two, in my opinion. You know, and I know you're all, well, that's kind of a cop-out. But uh, I think – I really think if they don't win eight games, that's going to be a disappointing season. And I don't say that just after the Mississippi State game. Once I saw the Bowling Green game, as soon as that game, I watched that game, I go, this team, this is an 8-4, and 10-2 football team, depending on what injuries occur, how the ball bounces in a couple of key games. So that's where I think they're at. You know, I think they're they're battling the finish in the top, you know, the top third of the conference. And if they get lucky, they're right there. They're, they'll be in the conversation to get into the conference game. Because in my opinion, you have Oklahoma, and then you have a second tier, you know, that group you have. Texas in that group, maybe Baylor, us, a TCU, you know, and, and those teams will fill themselves out, and I think that'll be determined on. I think some injuries will determine what happens in there as well. But I really think they're right there. So, I would like to see you know them fall in the mid. If we get to nine and three and they win a bowl game and get ten wins on the season, I think that'd be a fantastic first year. And then next year, I think the sky's the limit. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. You know, some people might think I'm crazy. But I think, yeah, I think on the low end, we're 8-4. On the high end, we're 10-2. Okay. That
0: seems reasonable. Well, uh, yeah, we're about, it's it's Sunday when we're recording this. So the, the Chiefs game is about to start. But actually, that makes me think this is kind of off topic. But what do you think about the NFL coming to L.A.? Are you going to latch on to one of those teams? or?
1: Yeah, I've been kind of on the Ram side. We've been going with them because they got here first, and they're originally from L.A. So we've been kind of rooting for them. But I'm I'm happy to see the Chargers doing well too. You know, so yeah, we I root for the L.A. team. You know, the the pro teams. Not the college teams I could care less about. You know, that's but uh yeah I root for all the L.A. pro teams because we're here and my son that's all he really knows. So we we, we kind of jump on all of them. Yeah, L.A. is
0: having a hell of a season. I don't know if you get out to any of those games, but.
1: No, we haven't. But my son just started playing soccer, so you know that maybe that's going to come on board. And the Galaxy's always been good, you know. And now we got the yeah, LAFC, and they have a nice new stadium right down there by USC. So we haven't been, we haven't gone down there yet, but we'll probably make a trip down there to go see them too.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. We oh, appreciate you coming
1: on. So. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. You know, anytime. You
0: know, and I right. wish
1: you guys success with this thing.
2: Yeah. Thanks a lot. Moved you on. got it, man. I know.